We are. We are. Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast, proudly presented by Irish 31. Seth and Nathan here. Uh, before we get into it, jam-packed show. We've got some two special guests uh, for you guys. Some 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 really, uh, you know, we always love the brand. And this uh, episode is definitely going to be hashtag for the brand. So I'm excited for it. Uh, but first, you know, Irish 31, uh, they, they were, you know, uh, kind enough to sponsor us. Guys, go out and check them out. They, they've got locations all across the all across the Bay Area. They got one in Oviedo, Hyde Park, West Chase, uh, up in Wesley Chapel, uh, Seminole, West Shore. I mean, they've got it everywhere. Uh, and they'll have the Bulls uh, bonus watch party with Danielle and Magic 94-9. Uh, Saturday, September 25th, the BYU game uh, recently announced a 10-15 kick time. Uh, they will be out there at Irish 31 Hyde Park. Uh, as well as uh, October second, which will will be the the SMU game as well, and, and you know they they have watch parties at all six uh, Irish thirty one locations all season long during the, the road games. Waterball flat screens and LED walls with the games on. Uh, Bulls themed drink specials: five dollars sixteen ounce uh, Yingling flight cans. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Magic ninety four nine on site. And uh, you know if you snap a picture with uh, Coach Scott, there's cardboard cutouts at every single. Club and share it out to Instagram for a chance to win tickets to the next USF home game. Make sure you tag Irish Thirty One Pub and hashtag Horns Up. Well, that's that's that. Go to Irish Thirty One, man. They got some great foods, great drink specials. Uh, trivia night on, on Tuesdays. Uh, there's a nurse and first responders night, teachers night, uh, happy hours uh, on Sundays uh, after after a long uh, Saturday of football before you get. Uh, Cracking, go check them out. And they've got mimosas; they've got everything uh, for you guys. So let's uh, let's get to it. So as I as I mentioned, uh, we we've got a couple of guests tonight. We've got former USF punter Trent Schneider and uh, journeyman uh, kicker. Uh, I think four. Four different stops at I think three different college collegiate levels. Uh, does that sound about right, Patrick? Uh, we got Patrick uh, Nishaka here uh, joining <laughs> joining Trent Schneider. Um, so let's let's introduce them, uh, guys. You, you're working with with Vanish. Uh, wanted to bring you guys on and kind of talk about what you're doing for for college athletics in, in the world of NIL. And uh, you know, Trent, what what uh, kind of made you go go with Vantage and how how are things going right now? Basically, the opportunity came up. Um, I needed a, a job, obviously, to stay in America. Um, so once I realized with football, I wasn't going to be eligible. If I if I did another year, basically, as soon as the season was done, because I already finished my master's, I would have been kicked back to Australia. So I um, I opted to uh, do, do the uh, year work um, visa instead, uh, which can be extended, obviously. Um, and then basically I got in contact with Michael Kelly at USF and um, he put me in touch with the founder of Vantage Sports, um, Patrick Johnson. So basically he came up with the idea that there's going to be, once the NIL comes out, there's going to be a gap. Um, you're going to get football players, the big guys, they're going to sign deals with, you know, car dealerships, whatever it be. Um, but the majority of athletes actually will miss out. They're not going to really be able to benefit from their name, image or likeness. Um, so the idea is we actually empower the college athlete um, and then also they can they get to develop the youths, uh, the up-and-coming college athletes, you know, of the next generation. 
the idea is they basically they do training. Um, they set their, they sign up with us. They set their sessions and they can go train uh, if they want to train five year olds, ten doesn't really matter. Um, whoever whoever is interested. I mean, it gives the youth a chance to train with top level college athletes at a fraction of what the cost would be if you go private training because uh, that's very expensive, obviously, for parents. Uh, so basically just trying to bridge all the gaps together, um, trying to add value everywhere uh, so everyone involved um, can benefit from it. Absolutely. And Patrick, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you you and Trent kind of connected at uh, Santa Barbara Community College, right? That's kind of where you guys yeah. first met and, uh, you know, a few years past you you went to, to Ole Miss Northern Colorado um, and then you know Trent obviously came to USF uh, how did you guys stay in touch and how did you know this kind of relationship uh, form as uh, you guys have both uh, leave the collegiate ranks definitely yeah no so uh, yeah so Trent and I met back in a uh, junior college but a uh, quick side note back to the whole he needed to stay in the U.S. needed a job I offered to marry him but Trent was like weird about it or something I don't know so but that was on the table just for the record. But uh, yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we connected really well back in junior college and Trent's a little bit older than me and I was kind of a young punk and we just, you know, he kind of big brothered me and, uh, but we stayed in really good touch and uh, over the years and yeah, it was a bit of an NFL journeyman, but um, yes, or NCAA journeyman, excuse me. But uh so, yeah, so right now I'm still trying to, like, kind of make it into the NFL ranks, and so I'm a free agent. But Trent Kane kind of came to me recently. I was like, hey, man, I uh, just got on with Vantage Sports and kind of explained it to me. And I fell in love with the idea. I mean, you know, I've bounced around so many schools. And, um, you know, I love college athletics. The, you know, the lessons and everything I've taken away from it is is massive. Like, it's definitely made me, like, a better better man, a better human being for sure. And uh I look back to a young kid and I'm like, okay, well, like if I could have worked with like, you know, a college athlete or something like that, you know, cause I was such a big fan as a kid, you know, I was like, that's, that's like insane. Like that would have been the greatest thing ever. And so, um, like Trent said, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're looking for private training and stuff, it's like, it's limited to, to like what areas of the country you're in, because, um, you know, like Exos and like those big, you know, training brands, you know, they're more on the West coast. Um, and, you know, we're kind of like looking for those schools and those like, you know, si like cities and towns that like they don't have all that fancy training stuff. And so, um, you know, when Trent and Pat came to me about this, I was like, yeah, of course, I, like I love this idea. So, um, yeah, it's great. And I love I love this team and I really like where the direction of this company is going right now. Yeah, and you know, I know a lot of uh, you know private lessons as as Trent and you mentioned Patrick are they they can get really expensive. What can you kind of expect from these training sessions? Uh, you know, as as an up and coming athlete, what can you expect from you know you know bang for your buck, so to speak? Well, it really depends, obviously, on if it's you know uh, one on one training, uh, small group training, also age groups, um, and what sports. So if you got like a high level quarterback. Um, but you know, you can get private training for a hundred bucks an hour to an hour and a half, which is unheard of. You know, if you're going with a top, um, starting quarterback or even backup quarterbacks in a college division one level to actually be able to train with someone of that caliber that I can guarantee that quarterback has paid thousands and thousands of dollars to get where they are. Um, right. And, the, and like the other thing is too, is like college athletes. I mean, like during a season, like your 40 hour week job 
is like your sport. And like, even in the off season, you know, maybe it's a little bit less, but training camps are always like way more. So it's like, you know, if you're going to get coaching, I mean, like, why not just get it straight from, you know, somebody who's living it every single day. Um, you know, I, I've, I feel like that's the most like invaluable, like teaching is like somebody who's like practicing every single day in the meetings and the film, like, you know, for any sport. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I feel like that's where we're going to be the difference. Absolutely. And, and Trent, you, you know, I know a, a few of your, your former teammates, uh, they had that, that little camp thing. Was that through you guys or was that just kind of, did you, were you involved with that? I know that the, they had a specialist uh, camp uh, earlier uh, this summer. Yeah. So we ended up actually sponsoring that event. Um, so initially I'm pretty sure Spencer Schrader set it up with Kenny. Um, and then basically they did, that was as we were starting to do what we were doing, like spreading the word. So we just, you know, thought we'd link up with them um, because basically exactly what they were doing is what we want to, you know, bring to everyone else. Uh, and it's a great way for them to learn business skills, being entrepreneurs themselves, build their brand at the same time. Um, and then also you get, I mean, they get to practice what they're learning on a day-to-day basis, bring it to the youths, like whether, you know, they're uh, 10, 12-year-old youths trying to um, further their skill, they get to bring that directly to them uh there's no middleman for them uh and they also get to learn about you know there's college life as opposed to and just sports like there's there's a whole different thing you know like going to class on time you know doing your work like there's more to being a college athlete than just playing football and that's that's the um value i think also is added through this uh they get to ask him any questions they want about recruiting process what it, what's it like for a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, you get up at five in the morning, you go to bed at, you know, nine, 10, and you redo it five days a week. Uh, there's really no off-season. Uh, you just grind. Uh, training training camp is like a month of, you know, getting up at five, going to bed at 10.30, redo it. Uh, that type of stuff, you, um, the other kicking coaches don't really tell you. All the other coaches will not tell you. Uh, so actually, Pat and I, we, we both had kicking coaches, so we kind of know the like what value they give, um, but there's obviously there's there's parts missing that a recent athlete or a, a current athlete would actually be able to benefit like give and benefit the um, youths. So, could you guys explain uh, what the process is on each end? So for the athletes signing up to do this, what the process is on their end, and then on the consumer side, what the process is if they want to sign up for something. Yeah, so it's really quite simple. You pretty much go on the website, uh, create a profile. It, literally, you put in your email, uh, you get accepted, and then you uh, put a picture up, uh, do a little bio of what your uh, your skills are, your position, uh, your sport, obviously your school, so you, people can search that. Um, then you put your availabilities up, whether, whether you're doing online or um, in virtual, which we're doing as well. Or in person, uh, depending on you know location and area, um, and then as a consumer, you go on the website and you can just search all the coaches that are available um, and the times available. So basically, it's really it's a really quick process. I um, mean, you, you can find out who's available with three clicks, and that is the website right there. <laughs> so let's right. So really, yeah, just put on the website vantagesports.com, right? Yep. There should then, be uh, coaches. Yep. yep. There you go. You just click in. There you go. Click. All right. So really, really easy. I, I, I was a 
I was a coach in a past life. I really like this idea. I think this is really cool. Um, especially because young kids, especially, I think really enjoy that more peer to peer, like level interaction. And they seem to take that more to heart than sometimes an, an older trainer or an, a, like somebody a little more older. Yeah. I feel like they respond differently to yeah. criticism. Yes. Um, it's more productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's less, um, you know, that less, they don't battle as much, you know, they listen to it more. Yeah. It's constructive. Um, and I think that's, that's something really, um, personally, when I was younger, you know, if, if someone uh, just a few years older was, was to tell me what to do, you know, I'd take that, you know, okay, they've actually, they're, they're in it, they know what they're talking about. But if someone 40 years old is telling me what to do, um, yeah, it's kind of that power structure difference. Um, I, I feel like you're right, that peer-to-peer, um, it's more relatable. Uh, they were just in their situation, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. Um, and I, I feel like that is something that a lot of the younger athletes will, will really benefit from. I agree. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of like when you're at that age where you're like you don't want to listen to mom and dad and stuff like that. And then it's like, you know, there's always that headbutting and stuff. But, yeah, no, I, I like for me personally, I grew up a diehard Colorado Buffaloes fan. And like I went to every sports camp they had available. I loved it. And so then like the athletes would work it. And I, all I'd want to do is like talk to them, hang out with them and. I remember I'd always be asking them to like sign my shirt or like my hat or whatever. I'd come home with like 10,000 random signatures on my, my clothes and my parents were like, who, who even is this? But um, no, it was, it was like, that was something that like, I really like loved. And like, I grew up loving Tebow and Reggie Bush and like those guys. And it's like to think back and be like, you know, to like, you know, maybe not those guys, but like somebody to like that degree to like be able to like learn from them directly or like, meet them in person and like get to do some like one-on-one drills or something. It's just like, you know, also that engagement, it's like, okay, like then you're watching those players on Saturday and you're like, Oh my gosh, like, I know that guy. Like I met him, like he coached me. Like that's my coach. Like, I just think that like me is like looking back at eight, nine year old me, I'm like, Oh, I would have killed for that, you know? So, um, and that's kind of where we see it with like the, with the youth and then also like high school kids, um, who, you know, like are wanting to make that jump. And it's kind of like, it's scary. Cause like also the recruiting side of things is like, there's so much to it, you know, like, um, recruiting is insane. It's such a headache. And like, for me, yeah, I, I transferred around a lot. And so, um, you know, I had to learn like every time I was like leaving a school and stuff like that and like how to get re-recruited, how to get accepted to schools. Like it was, there's so much to it. So it's like, we feel like, okay, those college athletes who just went through like their recruiting process and if they transferred or whatnot, like that's valuable information that like, somebody really like needs to hear is going to be able to hear it. So, you know, that's another thing that we're seeing in this. Absolutely. Trent, you provide a pretty unique um, viewpoint. You know, you're, you're from Australia. You had like a real job prior to coming over to the States to, to go to Santa Barbara uh, with pro kick and, uh, with with nil coming into form was it was it a weird transition for you to be like okay i can't make money while i'm in college right now that seems kind of backwards yeah i mean being from a working nature and the fact that you the thing like when you're in college that's the prime time to be making some money i mean when you're on tv when you're when the spotlight's on you that should be the time when you can make some money um but unfortunately obviously the way NCAA was working, uh, 
I mean, you could you couldn't even I, I personally couldn't have even tra- like uh, if a person messaged me on Instagram wanting to kick, like I'd have to go through compliance, even if it was completely for free. And there, there was you know a thousand loopholes you got to um, jump through. And I mean, just, it wasn't even worth you know trying to meet up with someone to go kick, even like I said, for free because um, the potential to lose your scholarship is, is. And I mean, these people are making a lot of uh, TV money. They're making you know. A bunch of money and not to be able to profit of your off your own i mean off your own name too like not even be able to um give yourself a shout out is really interesting yeah it's it's really interesting uh you know as i mentioned you kind of coming from this land and you know the the year you kind of leave everything kind of uh breaks open i think you would have had a, a pretty good niche there and uh creating some creating some uh, money for yourself uh and then on the flip side patrick you kind of you grew up in this you this was just this was just the way of the world. And uh, you, you graduated, you know, maybe a couple of years too early for to really get uh, any benefit from this. But how important is it for for these college kickers who, you know, a lot of them not aren't on scholarship. The long snappers sometimes aren't on scholarship. The punters, how important, especially for, you know, the specialists where you've got to be the guy to get a scholarship. How is it important? How important is it to get just some some money in your pocket as you kind of go through college? Yeah, you nailed it on the head. Yeah, a lot of specialists. It's it's a walk on, and unless you you're the guy, and like you got to prove it, you know, a couple of years um, into your career. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is like these. A lot of college athletes are really struggling um, in terms of money, and a lot of guys are coming from backgrounds where you know they're they're not coming from a lot of money and stuff like that. And so, um, just for any player, but yeah, especially with specialists. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. And like, those are such like, it's such a specific position, like between long snapping and punting and kicking. It's like, there's only a few people that really know how to like coach it and teach it. And a lot of the times it's the guys that have been doing it for a really long time. So yeah, it's, um, you know, I think this is going to be a good place to start. And I think it's going to really help a lot of those guys and, you know, guys who are trying to send some money back to their families and stuff like that too. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, more, more money in the pocket. And it's just going to, you know, I think it's going to help a lot of guys. So. And, you know, Patrick, you did, you did have a, a unique experience yourself uh, starting at Wyoming, uh, then transferring to Santa Barbara, <laughs> Ole Miss, yeah. Northern Colorado. Um, kind of take us through your, you know, career as a kicker punter and how, you know, each stop, how each stop went. Yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> trying to always joke about this, that, I broke the rules of the NCAA and I kept finding eligibility and stuff. And so, um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, you know, out of high school, you know, I had a lot of big accolades. I was getting some really big offers and some notice, um, my junior year and, uh, everything unraveled senior year. I tear my ACL week two. So, you know, instead of going on a full ride to a couple different schools, big D ones, um, I ended up having some walk on opportunities and, Ended up up at Wyoming, um, got there kind of late in the fall camp and, you know, had a shot to win the job, but just wasn't enough time. And so, you know, kind of took a heartbreak at the end of the season. I got cut. I was like, man, this might be, this might be time to hang them up. And so, um, you know, later that night, I get a phone call from a junior college, Santa Barbara and, uh, like, Hey, you know, we, we've seen your film. We, uh, you know, we've heard some good things about you, you know? we're willing to give you a chance. And I was like, okay, like, I'll think about it. Um, took my visit, loved it. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not done with football. I want to keep going at it. 
Um, and then, of course, that's where Trent and I met. And uh, Trent was my holder. And uh, that was always super fun hanging out with him every day. Um, and, yeah, we both had some pretty good seasons and had a lot of different opportunities that came. And, you know, I ended up taking a visit to Ole Miss. And uh, that's all she wrote. You know, SEC football is it's insane. So, but um, yeah, I got down to Ole Miss and, uh, you know, unfortunately things didn't go exactly how I planned. And so uh, ended up, you know, having some family stuff happening back here. So came back to Northern Colorado for my last season, wrapped it up and, you know, just trying to, now we're trying to get a shot in the NFL. So hopefully, hopefully that works out. And but yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing is like, I had to learn so much about how to get like re-recruited and then like the transfer portal, um, you know, came in out that last year. Um, which definitely helped quite a bit. Um, but also like going through compliance, like Trent said, it's, it's a headache when you have to go to them for anything. Um, and the NCAA, man, they don't even really know their own rules because, you know, even your compliance director is supposed to know like all the ins and outs, like no matter what. And, you know, they sometimes didn't even know what they were talking about because the NCAA is constantly switching rules and stuff. So, um, you know, yeah, I think those were some valuable experiences and I've had some friends reach out and be like, Hey, like, I'm thinking about transferring, like, how do I do this? Like, you know, and so it's, you know, I've been able to walk a lot of people through the process. So, but yeah, you know, I wish I would have been able to just kind of go Juco, wrap it up at Ole Miss or just stay at Wyoming, but, you know, oh, well. Right. <laughs> yeah, was, so and, met, a lot, met a lot of people on the way, so. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fun places, that's for sure. Um, you you mentioned kind of getting cut at at Wyoming. We always hear the stories of you know the the end of the year meetings with coaches, and it's more like. <laughs> so, what are your plans for next year? Kind of right. is that kind of is that kind of how it went? Is that is that a, a true statement? Like, so what are your plans? Because your plans are probably yep. not the same <laughs> yep. as ours. Kind of so line with us. <laughs> so, what happened was is you know I'm a, I'm a little 18 year old kid. You know I don't know anything better. I'm a freshman. I'm you know. Life's great. I'm a football player. Um, last week of the season, my head coach comes up to me. He goes, hey, um, I'll see you in my office uh, Sunday morning, 7 a.m. And I was like, that's so weird. And we're getting ready to play our last game. <clears throat> and I was like, that is so weird. And I thought I was going to get told, hey, either, you know, you gotta, you're going to compete for the job again or like this or this or this. And it was like we sit down and he just immediately was like, hey, like, thanks for everything. And I was just like, damn. So – it's hard. It was a, it was a really, that was a hard meeting. Um, but you know, that's the business of college football and that's the business of the college athletics is there's so much money in it and, uh, spots are valuable on teams. Um, so, you know, I understand it now. I mean, when I was 18, yeah, I was, I was pretty pissed off, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, Trent and I've talked about it a lot too. And so it's crazy. It's crazy when you go from like, you might be the guy to pack your stuff, get the hell out. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and you, you hear the stories. I know there's a lot of attrition at USF over the last uh, few years, so you, you kind of hear the stories kind of trickle out of, you know, the the what are your plans uh, for for next year? Um, <laughs> question that, I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never it's never a, a good question to hear at the, your uh, you know your end of season meeting with your coaches, uh, Trent Patrick. We've we've heard stories about you know the specialists being a, a weird tight knit group. Um, I, I don't want to have to. I don't want to put anyone on blast, Trent. You know, there's still you still have a lot of teammates on 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 the roster currently. But what what's the weirdest thing that anyone's done, like on on a road trip when you're you're killing time that Friday night before a game? 
Uh, I got a good one, but um, <laughs> so we would my first season we would do um we'd go to like someone's room uh, with our and would do um kind of just you know turn off the lights and just visualize uh, what was going on. It was like what we're told to do, you know, to, to try and relax. Um, so what a lot of a lot of people don't know is um, Vivanetto, who was one of the kickers uh, 2018. Jake, uh, he's, yeah. he's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. Uh, one of the nicest guys, most genuine people, absolutely hilarious. So we're in this room and we're all uh, we're all like in our like corners, obviously trying to stay away from each other because you know the lights were off. And then after the 10 minutes, they turn on and then Vivanetto's in the bed with his shirt off, just tucked in under the shirt. And he's, he's got his pants off and his shirt off for no reason. And we had no idea what he was doing. And that, that he, he would just kind of play uh, pranks on everyone. Um, like a lot of people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't know that because, again, you said specialists are so tight. Um, he's like one of those people that, if you met him, uh, it would take a little bit to open up. But as soon as you knew him, he was—he's—he's he's honestly the funniest person I've met. Um, just a real good, good person to hang out with. Always making jokes and trying to lighten the mood. So, but yeah, that was just a weird thing. Definitely a strange thing to happen. Patrick, how about yourself? <clears throat> My lips are sealed. I'm not gonna talk about. Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I. I got some, I got some pretty good ones, but, uh, I personally, I got, I got my own pretty good one. Um, but yeah, no killing time is a specialist. Cause like everybody's in and out of meetings, uh, right before games and stuff. And so, um, this one actually happened to me was, um, I'm not a big nicotine guy. I don't really like, it's never been my thing, but on this one road trip, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like we're going to grab, we're going to grab some dip, you know, we're going to, you know, cause it was like, it was going to be a night game. So I was like, you know what, whatever. Uh, and so my buddy, he bought uh, those Zens. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. Um, they're like no, it's like no tobacco, but it's like really strong nicotine. And um, so he, we get on the plane and we're like getting off and we're getting onto the tarmac. And he goes, hey, uh, do you want to pop one of these in really quick on the bus ride to the stadium before we go walk? And I go, oh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, definitely. So I, I put two in. <clears throat> and within about a minute, I'm like, oh, my God, like just world spinning. Um I was like, oh shit, this is not a good, not a good sight. So I I literally felt like I was drunk for like the next three hours. And so we get to the stadium, I'm just acting like a fool, and everybody's like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And so um, but yeah, no, there's you know, there's always trying to kill time and stuff, but yeah, there's some good there's some crazy stuff. There's some stuff I don't know if I can expose some teammates on you. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I you gotta make sure that the statute of limitations is up. Uh I mean, you know, Trent's on a work visa, we don't want to get hit. Right. Yeah, like, Trent, I, I completely understand, you know, I've got I have I have a green card, so I completely understand, you know, keep, keep that shit under wraps for as long yeah. as possible. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case. I, I get it. I get it. Um and Trent I think you have six USF uh, records and, you know, it, it, it was kind of uh, kind of late in, in spring. I think that you kind of decided to step away from the game. Was it more of a, you couldn't continue playing because you'd already completed your masters. I know you had some injury uh, history. Well, what was kind of the deciding factor of you kind of hanging up the boots, so to speak? Uh, well, so last year in June, I actually um, tore my labrum and bicep um, from doing too many curls. And then 
<laughs> because of that, I had to have surgery in December. So um, from December, so that's why, I mean, a lot of people, that's why I wasn't playing in spring, in the spring game or anything. Um, I was still rehabbing. Um, but then I, I had planned, like, obviously, I was, I was planning to come back and, and play, and it was all sorted. I was signing up to my next Masters, and then I talked to my international, because you have, as an international student, you've got international advisor, you've got athletic, you've got to, you know, collaborate with everyone, and no one knows anything about, like, everyone knows their field, but no one knows, you know, about the other stints. So I thought I was all, all good to go. I was about to sign up to my next Masters, and I was working out if I should, how I was going to do summer, and then... Basically, we looked at it and they go, she, the international lady goes, well, if you actually do another master's, you've got to complete it before you can do your um, your, your work visa. Because uh, like, as an international, you're granted a work visa for a year and then you can obviously have, have ways to extend it. And the master's was going to be another two years. Obviously, eligibility for football was up in like at the end of this year. So I would have had to pay 18 months of uh, of it. Um, out of my own pocket. I don't really need another master's degree. Um, so the issue that would have been 60000 you know, extra to pay, to pay out of my own pocket. Uh, you know, we talked about potentially, you know, getting a GA job after that um, somewhere in the USF athletics to try and get on. But, uh, you know, being older, it didn't really make sense to um, stay any longer for that. So at the moment, just training. Uh, I mean, I missed, I missed Pro Day. I missed the CFL draft, unfortunately. Um, literally by a week, uh, so we called the commissioner up there and tried to get myself onto that, but I couldn't. I couldn't get there. So, um, so now just training and, and getting better for next year. So it's really just a waiting game now and uh, doing this this job and, and training full time. So, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just it's it's just interesting how things work out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were. I think you were on pace to set three career records at, at USF, and to kind of have it wiped out kind of uh you know bittersweetly it's uh it's a tough pill to swallow i know you're you're old but you 30 31 31 now yeah 30 31 yeah I, I do recall that it made me feel better that there was someone on the roster actually yeah. still older than me That's uh right. so that was that was that was nice yeah. you you really ruined that for me uh so i mean i mean that's a that's a mental kind of thing to a hurdle to overcome you're in a foreign country and you're 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 told yeah you're you're gonna have to pay sixty thousand dollars if you complete if you, you want to finish this masters. How how was that you know mentally for you kind of being alone in the middle of a pandemic? How how did you kind of deal with that? I mean, I, I think being older it helps. I mean, if you told me that when I was 23, 24 and I was still trying to, you know, I I have the work experience. I know like it's important to move on like with a job, so I could um kind of judge you know I, I needed if i want to try and work in america for good i need a year's experience to put on my resume i couldn't have just finished football and magically got a job within two weeks you know um that wasn't going to be realistic and that was the other option you know i finished i start the masters say i'm going to you know complete it at the end of the season just you know stop that but then i get kicked back home so again not really an option uh, so i mean i just i mean i talked to my girlfriend about it um you know Again, not getting any younger. It wasn't. It, it was frustrating because I didn't really get that. You know, you, you know, you didn't, you know when your last game is. You know, you, I would have. It would have been nice to know last season was my last season. I would have looked at it differently. Uh, really, for me personally and as a team, I, it wasn't really. It wasn't a great season. Uh, Notre Dame certainly 
influence my thoughts on that. Uh, that was a rough game to be a part of uh, personally and as a team. Right. Uh, and really, uh, it, 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 wasn't a, it wasn't a season I would have liked to have finished on uh, in, in, in college. Uh, 2019, I mean, I could have left then. Um, you know, I have a, had a bunch of agents hitting me up then. Uh, so looking back on it, maybe that was the move. Who knows? But I got my master's now. Uh, things are looking good. Um, and then, I mean, even though last season was not great, uh, you learn a lot, you know, from I think the first three or four games, my, my punting average was like 30-something. You know, it was, it was really poor. And then, you know, I managed to get it back up to around 42 yards. Um, so, I mean, that took a lot. You know, there's times when I could have just, you know, said uh, have surgery and call it quits on the season. Uh, but persevered through that. So, I guess I, I learned a lot more about myself on reflection. So. Absolutely. I mean, that's huge. You mentioned the Notre Dame game wasn't uh, pretty. I mean, it wasn't pretty for, for anyone, uh, you know, playing or, or watching. But I do know your last three games, I think you averaged over 45 yards per punt uh, those last three games and really kind of, you know, luckily your your final game was probably one of the more exciting ones that you, you know, participated in. Uh, you know, surprisingly, you only punted three times against uh, Central Florida, yeah. uh, given – I think you. I think you are the record holder for most punts uh, in a career. Pretty damn close to it. So, uh, to end on a, on a you know decently high note, unexpectedly, I guess is is a nice way to go out. Uh, you know, for for Patrick, for you, how how did your career kind of progress and and uh, you know end collegially? I know you ended up at at Northern Colorado. How how did your your final year go? And uh, I mean, knowing that the college life was over, how how did you uh, approach that differently? Yeah. Um, you know, my last year, yeah, it was definitely one of my better years. It was, um, it was really fun. It was a good year, you know, um, being back home and stuff, having my family a little closer was great, but, um, yeah, I mean, when you know college life's wrapping up, it's, it's definitely scary. Um, I finished my degree in economics and, uh, there's a lot of different avenues to go with that. Um, and luckily I got a job, you know, the day after my last final I took, um, and I was working with this other startup company, um, in the financial industry. Um, but it was, it was a weird transition and like being a kicker, being a specialist, you know, um, you know, of course, like the NFL is the dream for, you know, I'd say like 99% of like college football players and stuff. And so, um, but as a specialist, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, and so, you know, I was, you know, Trent was talking about agents. I was luckily able to find an agent, um, you know, after I wrapped up and stuff. And so, you know, for me, it's like, you know, we've been talking to some NFL teams and there's different avenues as a kicker as opposed to like other players um, post-college. And so there's always like, you know, these old um, special teams coordinators and some old kicking coaches that put on these combines and NFL scouts and personnel come out to. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, wrapping it up, it's, it's uh yeah it's kind of scary you know because your whole college career all you've known is like school and whatever sport you're playing and so to like transition into the workforce it's it's definitely a different pace of uh pace of life and it's different and there's so much more free time i feel like there's more downtime and then it's like i don't know what to do with my free time so but um yeah no i mean you know Trent and i are kind of in the same boat right now you know it's we love, you know, we love working with this company and we love the direction of it because it's like, you know, this is the, this hits home for us and, you know, but we're still training too, you know, so that's, and that's been fun too, you know, to be able to talk to Trent about that and, you know, kind of keep each other going because we kind of started this football journey together back in college. And so, 
you know, it's been, it's been nice to, you know, be able to bounce thoughts off him and him being kind of like the big brother and having like a different perspective. And, you know, it's funny, Trent used to joke with me uh, in junior college, actually, <laughs> if I had a bad day at practice or something, I'd really beat myself up about it. And Trent, I'd be like, Trent, like, give me something, like, tell me something. And he's just like, let me tell you, mate, you don't want a real fucking job. You don't. You don't at all. And I was just like, ah, that doesn't really make me feel a lot better. But uh, I was like, I guess I'll have to take that one a little bit. Um, so, or if I was really having a bad day, Trent would always do this one. Actually, you did this this morning too. He goes, oh, Pat Nishaka lines up for the kick. Game winner. Oh, off the post. They fucking hate him. And I'd be like, so in my head as a kid. And I'm like, no, look, don't do that. It would like make it worse. So, but Trent loved it. Trent always had a good laugh out of it, which, you know, I guess if anything to take away from that joke. So, yeah, yeah it helped me out. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I got a couple of lighter questions for you guys. In my experience, every player, especially skill guys, thinks they can kick, they think they can punt. Is that frustrating for you guys or is it funny? Do you ever pull those guys out and make them show yeah. you? Sure do. Come on, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> who's down. the worst? Who's who is the worst? Do you does anybody stick out as being particularly terrible? So we we always do at the end of a session um, practice. We'll do punting. Uh, one day it might be punting, pressure punts, or pressure kicks. And it was the mo- one of the most recent ones that I was a part of. Um, so Hopple, big lineman, he comes up. You know, he, he obviously talking shit because he thinks he can kick. I mean, everyone thinks they can kick until yeah. they try and kick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he dropped the snap, kicked the ground, and the ball went about four yards. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we got it on film somewhere. So that would be some that would be something to get on on get up because that is hilarious to watch. <laughs> and he just fumbles it, fumbles it, fumbles it, finally picks it up, throws it out. Miss kicks completely hits the ground, and the ball literally might go ten yards. Maybe rolling too, not even in the air. So, that's probably the yeah, for me, for me, um, mine was a little different. But like, so with kicking, like you know, like a lot of guys can just like toe poke it, and like you, if you kind of hit it right, like it'll go. Yeah. Um, but my roommate uh, at Ole Miss, name uh, Dawson Knox, he's the starting tight end for the Bills. You know, he's running his mouth for weeks. And I go, all right, Dawson, like, let's – come on, let's let's fucking see it. Um, and, yeah, Dawson actually cranked, like, a 45-yarder on me. Um, <laughs> and I was ready to – I was ready to be done. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm really irrelevant here. So um, – and it's funny because uh, actually in training camp this year, they let him kick one at training camp and he got it on film and immediately sends it to me. He's like, I still got it. And I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> It was so frustrating, but yeah, he, um, yeah, it's funny. It was a different experience with me and him. So another thing everyone thinks they can do is hold the ball. That's yes. Awesome. That's, oh, yeah. that's a, that I, is, I had to do that when I played. It's a nightmare. Yeah. That is, that is, that is it's an art. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they say that they can hold and then they put their wrong knee down and they're facing the opposite way. That's, that's always <laughs> that's fun a, for the kicker. That's a, how many, how many, co- how many coaches have no clue what they're talking about, but come up to you guys <laughs> And act like they're running the authority. <laughs> everyone? Should we expose them? Should that's we everyone, them? That's everyone, right? Uh, I still got to stay in the good books with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they all know what they're talking about. No, no, every, no, every, coach, every coach thinks they can tell the kicker what to do. Uh, my last <laughs> question on, on the topic of coaches, do you guys have any just like one line that sticks out to you from a meeting, <clears throat> something really funny 
that you can remember one coach saying or anything like that? Because there's always some gold that comes out in those meetings. Well, actually, one of the most productive things I've ever heard that I actually still – you can apply it to anything. It's, um, it's listen to what they're saying, not the tone they're saying it in. Yeah. So that – I mean, I, I relate that to almost everything, you know, because, you know, coaches can get pretty pretty mad, pretty um, pretty angry, and, you know, they can raise their voice. But if you actually just listen to the message um, and take away the tone that they're saying it in – I mean, you probably can gain something from it, um, and then you take you can take that personal issue aside. Um, so, I mean, you can use that with bosses. You can use that even just when you're having a normal conversation with someone. If someone's getting in your face a little bit, you can, you know, use that. Um, and I feel like that that's something that always has stuck out to me. Any, yeah, any I got funny, any like funny lines that stick out that maybe maybe not said to you, but said to somebody on the team that just <laughs> sticks in the back of your mind. I don't I'm trying to think of like funny things said, but um well my special teams coach is always at Ole Miss and this was actually really funny was like, Yeah, has ever seen Jersey Shore? They did like the fist pumping. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, and there's Big fan. so so he was from Jersey and so before like most meetings he'd put it on and it was like he'd call somebody out in the special teams meeting and then you'd have to get up and you'd have to like fist pump and there's like so many different variations of it. So that was like something that was always like kind of funny and it like kept it light yeah. um, before going into some like, you know, heavy duty meetings, especially, you know, after a loss or something of that nature. But um, I'm trying to think of some funny lines. I mean, there's always like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're always, I mean, I was told if I, if I miss it, another punt, they'll buy me a ticket back home. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty good. That's motivation. Funny. <laughs> they were, they were waiting. They had that one geared up. Yeah. So, Oh man! What's saying that is nothing better than when they say that, and then you hit a five-o rocket, and then you just walk off. <laughs> yeah, <you> just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's all in good fun. Trey, you know, you, you mentioned Jared Hopple not being the the greatest kicker. Was there someone who kind of went out there that kind of surprised you that uh, you know some USF fans would be like, oh okay, you know, in a in an emergency, he may be able to do something. Uh. I'm sure there probably is. I can't think of anyone. Surprisingly, there's actually a lot of people that can snap a ball pretty well. Like Brock Antonio, Nichols, is, Brock Nichols and, is a very good long snapper. Antonio Greer was the emergency snapper yeah, last Greer. year. Yep, he's a, he he can do pretty much anything. <laughs> it seems um, it seems that that's the case for sure. And, and you know, he, like he, he he was super like he he would would practice on the sidelines because I actually caught a few snaps with him in, last year in spring. In, uh, in um training camp, uh, he would miss one, miss one, and then he would just—it was like an NFL snap, perfect. Um, and this guy's just—he's just got some some talents that a lot of people wouldn't know, but yeah, he's pretty much good at everything. I'm a I'm a I'm a low key Bulls fan because one of one of course Trent, but my my dad actually went to undergrad at South Florida, and uh, but you know the kicker that I'm looking forward to seeing is a uh, big cannon. The young oh, young Cannon. kid, Cannon John. Yeah, he's looking uh, forward. He's uh, he's got some talent just from his highlights. I, I I know nothing about kicking, but I know it 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 goes very very far and pretty pretty straight. Yeah. Uh, for, you, you for an eighteen year old, he's um <laughs> he's he's the next he's the next great one. He also has a very good name, so he's got that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you weren't good, like if you weren't a quarterback or like a punter or kicker, and you had that last name and you played football, I mean, yeah. No, he's the, the next. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little biased. I'm you know I've done some training with him back in California, but uh, now that kid, 
that kid's the next. You heard it here first. So I'm, I'm excited to see what his career looks like there. Perfect. Well, uh, Trent, Patrick, this has been a pleasure. Uh, Vantage Sports, guys, check it out. If you have uh, little ones who, who you want to uh, get trained up and, uh, you know, if you're – if you're hanging out and you're you're a college athlete and you want to sign up and, and kind of get some sessions in, make a make a little money on on the, on the side as well, uh, check it out. Uh, Here's a sign up right here, real real easy process. VantageSports.com. <laughs> check it out. Look at it. Look at that, Trent Patrick. Uh, it was a it was a pleasure. Uh, Trent, I always had fun uh, interviewing and talking to you, and it's it's nice to be a little bit more casual and uh, you know it's, not it's not, not have any, uh, uh, and like people watching what I say as well. you said it, not me. <laughs> always bound by uh, certain rules, but that's cool. all right. So yeah, it's been enjoyable for sure. Absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate you guys, and you guys can just uh, hop off whenever you want. We're gonna break down uh, USF first FAMU and, Thanks, and guys. Uh, have a good night. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate y'all. Thank you. No, thanks. Well, there you have it. <laughs> we got another special guest. Hey, look at that! Look at that! Vito comes in. Trent and Patrick go out. Uh, that was great. You got uh, a lot appreciate- less handsome on this podcast. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you replace an Australian with an American, it's a, I mean, it's an automatic downgrade. You can't you can't really do much about that, Vito. It's not you. It's uh, just who you're replacing. So we we got, I mean, I don't know, Vito, this just popped up. (laughs) All right. That's my buddy, Josh. So uh, shout out to uh, Josh. We'll be at the game um, this weekend. Looking forward to it. I mean, if your friends, if your friends can't, uh, you know, hype you up, who can? Nobody. Amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) So Seth, we got, we got a football game. We, we kind of went through, um, the 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 foot the film room the the footage of uh, the Florida game a lot lot uh, a lot of things to be I don't want to say excited about but uh, hopeful and improvements yeah. uh, you know third downs especially uh, head coach Jeff Scott mentioned that uh, today during his press conference uh, you know Kay was really pretty effective in, in converting those third downs or uh, in his in the first half uh, which was which was good to see led that long scoring drive. I think they converted three on that drive to keep the drive alive. So, and they put uh, themselves in really sh- short situations for the right. Or I think the longest one might've been a third and four. And that was when they did a great check when Florida had the overload blitz check the other way, easy conversion. So, I mean, there is positives. I know, you know, loss is still lost. There's no moral vict- victories, but uh, from week one to week two, we definitely saw some improvement there. Uh, and you know we'll turn the page. Uh, I wanted to kind of touch on some some injury stuff that's kind of cropped up this week, um, as if the defensive uh, backfield couldn't get uh, any thinner. Uh, obviously, with Will Jones going out before the season uh, with a torn ACL, Christian Williams getting hurt uh, at NC State, uh, Mikayla Point and Isaiah Cromartie uh, will also be unavailable. Uh, for this game versus FAMU, uh, Coach Scott said that uh, Makai may be out, you know, for uh, up to three weeks, uh, maybe a little bit longer. So, I mean, Brock Nichols time. 
They were saving them for the conference schedule. Now they got to break them out a little early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually the one person he was saving for the conference slate. <laughs> it wasn't actually figuring out the quarterback. It was keeping Brock Nichols under wrap to unleash him uh, against the conference uh, with that hair. Uh, Seth Famu. Uh, they're they're coming off a win against uh, Fort Valley State, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, I think I got that name right. I was about to say Fort Scott. Uh, Valley, but I think it's Fort Valley. Fort Valley State Wildcats. I believe they won thirty-four to six. I'm doing this off of memory right now. I I, I haven't pulled that up, but I'm pretty sure that's what they did. Thirty-four seven. Thirty-four seven. Pardon where me. Where is Fort Valley State located? That's a good question. I believe Fort Valley's in Georgia, so I'm right. assuming it's there, but it could be somewhere else. I mean, Vio, you're the producer of this show. You, it, Fort Valley, Georgia. Jeez, making us do work while we're talking. I believe that's the hometown of one Jacquez Green. That mm. I may be wrong, but that's uh, but yeah, they won 34 to seven. Uh, I don't know how good Fort Valley State is, I don't know how good their first opponent, Jackson State, is. They've got some division one guys because that's Coach Prime's team. Don't want to call him Dion. Uh, that's his team. So they've got some, they've got some D one guys that transferred in. Um, USF has a team full of them. So you'd think that would help a little bit more. They lost seven to six to Dion's team, coach prime team. Sorry. And then they, they won last week, 34 to seven, turned the ball over twice, but they got four turnovers. I think offensively, you're going to see something similar in scheme to what USF's doing. It looks like they're, I just saw, watch a little bit, but it looks like they, you know, use a tight end, kind of off the line of scrimmage and have uh, three receivers in a back. So I think you'll see some similar stuff, some spread type stuff. Um, defensively, I think they're going to be four, four down linemen. And then their best player, at least in, according to preseason, uh, you know, preseason all conference, all American type teams is there's, they have a safety. That's pretty good. Uh, but they have a few other guys. Mar- Marquise Bell, a uh, six yes. foot three, 205 pounds. Uh, he was named to three preseason FCS All-America teams. Uh, and then their punter is especially good. Um, so they, FAMU didn't have a season last year. That the I believe they were in the MEAC or they left the MEAC. Whatever conference they were in, they, they canceled the 2020 season. So, you know, all the stats for these people, you know, where they're two games in, obviously, uh, are – for 2019, uh, their punter, uh, Chris Fadul, uh, was second nationally in FCS at 46 yards a kick uh, punting uh, in 2019. Um, so there's – yeah, so they were in the MEAC, now they're in the SWAC. I want to make sure that that was, that was a, one of the bigger conference realignment things that uh, kind of went under the radar. I mean, the MEAC lost a, a lot of really good teams uh, – to, to the SWAC and some others, and uh, I'm not sure how how they survive survive that, uh, especially being you know the that kind of FCS conference. But uh, you know, as we learned this weekend, hilariously, do not, for the love of God, do not overlook an FCS team. But more importantly, no. if you do have, let's say, a 17 to 14 lead with six seconds left. Maybe have a couple of safeties in the defensive backfield 20 to 30 yards back. Just throwing that out there. There's no reason for it. No reason why I would say that. Just make sure you do that. 
as then, we move like, forward. Let's say you get beat in coverage, just tackle the guy. It's a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. It'd be all right. They actually, uh, Alex, they actually beat or uh, they lost to Dion's team seven to six. Yes. They did not. Un- Coach Prime, I believe, is undefeated. So, unfortunately for you, Dion is undefeated. Coach Prime. So. Did they play Eddie George's Tennessee State already or do they? I think they that? did. I think yeah. they played last week. Uh, but I, I believe they won as far as I know. I, I didn't I didn't check it out. I missed it. Um but I think you're going to see a team that's got a little bit of talent. Uh, Coach Scott talked today about they have some speed, um, but I don't. They're not, I, I would imagine they're not very good up front on either side of the ball. The way USF's been able to run the ball this year offensively, I think they'd have a big advantage there, opening up play action stuff, opening up the RPO stuff. It seemed like Coach Scott said today maybe they might get away from us some of some of the RPO stuff. Um, Maybe change it up a little bit uh, because they're not, it's not being read correctly. It's, it's kind of what uh, he's he said the last couple of times he spoke. So we'll see. It should be this should be a get right game for USF to come out, roll somebody, kind of get some momentum going into uh, a stretch where they have a lot of I think winnable games in like a four or five game stretch. So do you want this to be the first one? Get the momentum going. And then see if you can it grabs some more in this next month, month and a half. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just kind of looking through their roster right now. Um, I'm up to the 40s, and they have 10 FBS, uh, former FBS players, uh, a couple of Central Florida guys, uh, Louisville, Syracuse, um, some some others here. Uh, a lot, of, obviously, they're they're they recruited Miami pretty hard. Uh, I believe George Simmons, if, if I'm not mistaken, is the head coach. Willie Simmons. Will, Willie Simmons. George Simmons. George Simmons is Adam Sandler's character from Funny People. Uh, so Willie Willie Simmons, who was it's actually <laughs> was uh, was a teammate of uh, Jeff Scotts at Clemson. Um, so, and there's you know some so obviously some history there, so they know each other. And uh, you know Michael Kelly has for years uh basically since he came uh on the scene at usf he made it a concerted effort to get these hbcus back onto the schedule it had been a little bit uh since usf had gotten some fb uh some hbcus on the schedule now they uh just looking let me make sure i've got this right because i I don't want to miss anyone they've got famu i believe they signed a three three game series with famu uh yeah, let me make sure. Maybe it was two. No, it was three. So they play uh, this year, obviously. They play in 2023. Uh, so it, FAMU is the uh, is the game before Alabama in 2023. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then they also play uh, again in 2027 uh, after traveling up to Boise. And then they also for next year they've got Howard on the schedule, who is uh, you know head coach Larry Scott, former USF guy, uh, as well as Lindsey Lamar, who's the wide receivers coach. They've got Howard, and they also have Bethune Cookman um, on the schedule as well uh, in the future. So it, it was Michael Kelly's goal uh, to make sure that the the HBCUs continue to get back on to the the site this schedule cycle because uh, he knows you know. These these buy games, so to speak, uh, keep athletic departments uh, alive at the FCS level. Yeah, I, and 
that's that's a cool thing, and hopefully they're. Or I do know if uh, the band is coming with them. Yes, they always come. They I, they always travel. They are unbelievable. I got to see them live once. It was awesome. Best college band I've ever seen. They actually make you want to kind of sit and stay at halftime and watch. So that's just an added bonus. It really is. Uh, and uh, t- tickets are relatively cheap. I'm sure you can find some on StubHub. Uh, this is always the game, uh, typically, that I would actually uh, sit on the bench and, and not actually cover the game and uh, indulge in some beverages and, and watch it as a fan every year, uh, these kind of games uh, with the family. Not going to do that this year because we have a new photographer starting this week, guys. Uh, Morgan is coming. She's uh, she runs social for uh, the US USL uh, Academy, and she reached out uh, this week, and she's going to be uh, a photographer for uh, the FAMU game. I'm excited for it. She uh, took uh, photos for the uh, Philadelphia Union SB Nation site. I think it's called Brotherly something. I, I don't, MLS is irrelevant to me. I'll be perfectly honest. I, I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm sorry, everyone who watches MLS. Uh, it's just not me. I don't want to talk about. Don't want to talk about what. Yeah, yeah. Not even. Uh, I don't want to talk about what happened to Man United today. Uh, we'll breeze right past that uh, for sure. But it's exciting. She has uh, one of her photos is uh, on a tops card for that player. So that's pretty incredible. That's uh, cool. Super lucky to have her uh, joining joining the squad. Um, so that's fun. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a fun get right game. It's been over a year since USF's won a, a football game, period. Uh, I don't even want to think about how many days since it's been an F- FBS uh, win. I'm sure there will be someone uh, from Central Florida who will uh, – We'll do the due diligence and let us know. Um, but Seth, what what can we expect? I, I know, you know, scouting, for lack of a better word, a, a an FCS team is is tough uh, to say the least. But what what can USF expect? Well, so just looking at them, kind of statistically, they haven't been great. Now there was a little bit of rain uh, in that first game. I don't think it lasted throughout, but it, it kind of caused some slick field conditions. So I don't know if that was part of it. Um, but they're only averaging 4.4 yards of play against two FCS opponents. Um, USF is actually less, but they've played two pretty good defenses, I think. So not quite apples to apples. Um, so I don't think they're, they're not a great, at least on paper, statistically, not a great offense. They still haven't decided on their starting quarterback. Sound familiar. Um, they had uh, they they kind of they had uh, one guy start the first game, then they named his backup the starter for the second game, and it appears that they both ended up throwing like twenty passes, so they both ended up playing quite a bit. The guy that was originally named starter threw a couple picks, so maybe he got yanked, so maybe they'll be going back to the other guy. I don't know, but defensively they're giving up four point four yards per play, so they're a net neutral in terms of yards per play. Uh, not great on third down offensively, not pretty good on third downs defensively. So it seems like their defense is a little bit ahead of their offense, but you're hoping that uh, the way USF kind of bounced back in the second half there, played a little bit better. And really they played, I thought they played better offensively the whole game. They just weren't able to take advantage of some of the opportunities that created for themselves. Um, But you're hoping the offense takes the next step. 
get you out a nice lead, then gets them where they have to throw the ball a little bit more. And these guys have shown they'll they'll turn the ball over a little bit. So it kind of, as Coach Scott said, playing complimentary football. The, the defense comes up with a turnover. The offense goes down and scores. Now that causes the opposing offense to have to play differently, and then your defense can feast on that and rush the passer, and it all kinds of builds upon itself. So you're just hoping to see that. They come out, play some complimentary football, get a lead early, don't let guys hang around, just get a lead early, get out in front, and then kind of pull away. Yep. Uh, for for FAMU, their leading rusher is uh, Bishop Bonnet. That's a, just a fantastic name. Uh, he's 5'7", 175. Uh, he's carried the ball 24 times for 143 yards, uh, averaging a little over six yards a clip. Uh, and then a passing the, the two guys that you, you mentioned, uh, Rashawn uh, McKay. He was um, the original starter. Okay. And um, – threw 139 yards in a, in a touchdown against uh, Fort Valley State. And then uh, Junior Murdoch, just a – I mean Mur- – Muratovich. Mur- oh, excuse me, Muratovich. Excuse me. I don't know why I said Murdoch. Man, uh, I think I got distracted by his hair because his hair is phenomenal. Uh, you, it's it's like the reverse Brock Nichols, <laughs> which is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, he's a freshman from, from Orlando, uh, threw for 120 yards and then threw a couple of picks. Uh versus Fort Valley State last week. Um, so, again, as you mentioned, two two guys you got to prepare for. Um, just just win a game. I, I don't think this game is is more – I don't think it's a, more about, uh, you know, your opponent. It's making sure, as you mentioned, it's a, this is a get – this is supposed to be the get-right game. Uh, and fit FAMU does have a bye week next week, so they may try to unload the clip. You, you, you know, you've got you, you've got your one bye game. I mean, there's already been eight FBS uh, upsets this year uh, by FCS schools, so uh, it's it's it feels like it's happened more this year than than in years past. And FAMU in 2019 was really really good. They were nine and two. Uh, I think they finished 24th uh, in in the FCS. Uh, rankings and i think they won the hbcu national championship as well uh, under uh willie simmons so it can not nothing to sneeze at i don't think this is a you know north dakota state kind of uh oh my god why did you even schedule them kind of game uh but it's definitely something to just keep an eye on and just continue to find that progress for usf this is definitely more about usf than anything uh you know, unless they lose, then it's, I mean, it's going to be about, <laughs> then it's going to be about everything. Uh, I know yeah. you, so, someone asked uh, Fort and McLean starting. Uh, technically, Cade is listed as a starter, but Jeff Scott said uh, during his press conference uh, today that uh, still haven't decided, still going to be uh, up in the air. Uh, that's just what it was uh, because Christian Williams was also listed as a starter and he's been out. So, the depth chart is always uh, taken with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but it, I the think fil- they should. I and what do you guys think? I think they should both play them early because I think it's kind of foolhardy to go. Let's say they they put because because uh, Jeff Scott said something about you know we're going to throw we're going to throw the guy out there and he's going to go out first and if he plays well he's the starter. That's kind of his quote today. 
you don't want like if 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 it's a true competition, you don't want you don't want one of these guys going out against the worst team you've played, play really well, and just like competition's over because the other guy may have just come in and done the exact same thing. So I, I'm hoping they both play early and get a look at them, let them, let them both play, kind of get in the flow. I think personally, if they both played, that I think the offense could you you could they'd be much harder to game plan for if, if they just went and said, you know what, we're gonna play both of them. We're both going to have their packages of what they can do, what they're best at. We're going to prepare them both to play. I think you could do it, but if they want to pick one, I think the best way is let them let both guys play early. Don't give one guy the first half, one guy the second half. You know, because if you get out to a big lead and you're going to be playing the guy in the second half with the starters, well, then that's not really fair to him. So right. play them both early, see what happens. Use these use this game to figure out who you want to start going to BYU. And then if that game, when you're playing a team that's performed pretty well this year, if the guy you put out there plays well, then roll with him. If not, you've always got the other guy. But I think this game's got to be one where they both play early in the game. You can't wait for longer than halftime to play the second one. Get them both out there early, see what they can do. What do you guys think on, on that? Vito? I, I, I would say that um, – I, I kind of like what you mentioned in the fill room room about maybe there is a bit of a two quarterback system here. Maybe you have plays and packages for both. In this situation, I think you script out the first two, or maybe not script, but you have the first two series be one guy, the next two series be the be the next. And unless you know game situation dictates one way or the other, like you're down fourteen nothing to FAMU, then you got to really worry about clawing back in the game. Hopefully that doesn't happen in this situation, but that way, like you said you don't bring them in the second half and all of a sudden maybe it's a blowout or the whole situation changes. That's the one thing with Timmy is he hasn't had a chance to come in in a situation where, you know, the, the game is close. He's always coming in when it's not necessarily out of hand. I won't say that, but at least in a different situation than what Cade's in. So maybe you give the first couple series to one second, next, next couple series to the next, and then you kind of play off of that. But I mean, I, I'm kind of with you that they both have different skill sets, so maybe there is a little bit of packaging you can do with both of them in either situation moving forward. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with both of you. I think my in my mind the the ideal scenario for uh, this kind of two quarterback uh, system is that th- the third drive. You know, depending, you know, get get Timmy in. I think Cade's going to be the starter anyway. He didn't. He didn't play poorly in that first half. Uh, just the, the second quarter got away from uh, everyone, uh, to say the least. Uh, so it, it does skew it. But, I mean, what, 12 of 18, 91 yards, led a scoring drive, was really effective on that scoring drive. Um, and I think the biggest thing with him is the throws that were there, the, especially the quick game stuff, he made. Right. McLean in the second half, watched it last night, there were throws that were there, and he was throwing them in the dirt. Like – he was just well, not comfortable. Maybe he just didn't play well. But there, Kate did throw the ball better than McLean did in the last game. If you just watch throw to throw, right? But McLean just offers something totally different that makes you tougher to defend at times. So that it's a real, it's a real tough, tough question. Over under five TDs with Xavier Weaver throwing, uh, like in the game or just He's like in general? Point five. Oh, point five. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't see that. <laughs> um, the throw was beautiful. It was a great throw. It should have been caught. That should have been a tutty. Hmm. He, may, he may have had an angle out of bounds on that throw, but it would have been 
It would have been neat. That would have definitely uh, energized the crowd there. And uh, I think we could have seen a, f- a few Florida uh, buttholes pucker up a little bit. Yes. I think that, I think that, I think they puckered up a little bit after uh, they the USF converted that third third down on that first drive. Uh, I think they were like, "Oh my, what is going? This team sucks. Why, why are why are they just driving on us right Tom now?" Grantham got fired multiple times. Oh, oh for sure. Oh, every oh, every five no plays, so he got fired at least three times on that <laughs> seventeen play drive. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Kelly Joyner got that tutty. It would be uh, shades of uh, Rodney Adams' first play at the Florida State game. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been nice. That would have been real nice. Uh, just uh, you know, getting getting some of those wins. But again, I think Timmy gets gets cycle him in. Don't even wait for the the first drive to end. You know, if there's like a third and two, third and three, get him in there. You can run the RPO. I you know, I think as you mentioned, Seth, uh, Coach Scott did say that you know they're they're not reading the RPOs as well as we would have hoped. But get him in, create create problems, um, and you know, make it clear to both guys that hey, this is what we're gonna do. It doesn't doesn't mean we hate one of you or, or we're picking one of you over the other. It's just this is our best chance to win and and go do it. Um, so why not just cycle them in uh, during that first drive? Have yeah. both of them on the field. Who cares? Well, that's what they're waiting to break. That's a conference play. <laughs> but I, I agree with it. I think there was times where in that that long drive where they went down the field, you know, Cade Fortin's in to run kind of a, a modified triple option. Well, that's Timmy McLean in there, and he pulls that thing. Now he's got a real great chance to score. And and, and doing that, like when you package up a player like that, when you're saying, okay, Timmy, this is going to be – your package for the game. It lets them have a, like a mastery of all the concepts and they usually understand exactly what they're going to see from the defense because you're not going to call it if they're the, they're not giving you that look. That's what Florida's kind of going through with, with Emory Jones and Richardson. Richardson's coming in and lighting the world on fire, but he's also coming in like in perfect situations, like where the defense is playing exactly how they think they're going to play. You know, that shot play. Okay, they saw USF was going to play the run really hard. All right, we're going to give you this shot play. Emory Jones could have completed that pass too. But they bring in Richardson. He definitely sells the run a little more. You get that guy open, he takes a shot. But that's just because he doesn't have to think about the whole playbook. I think about my package. I master that. And We've got a lot of people, I think, on here that mastered their package, right? So he does that, and then it's easier in the game. So... I, I I wholeheartedly agree, Seth. I think you know the first game was was weird at, at how they did it. Obviously, uh, second game I, I understand uh, why they why they wait until the second half to to bring Timmy in because you know Cade was having uh, you know a modicum of success. He was making the throws, the proper throws. Uh, so uh, you know why not just continue to. Mix them in a little bit more, massage massage them in, and it's um, something that can really kind of unlock this offense. There's a lot of teams be that I don't think we we've we've seen or unlocked yet. I mean, Brian Batie and Kelly Joyner are still pretty fast guys. It's not like they just lost their speed overnight. Uh, they're still really fast dudes. Latrell Williams is blazing fast. Mario Dallison is fast. I mean, you know. Bryce Miller is a workman-like guy who will just get the nitty-gritty yards for you, uh, but he's still really—he's 
him and Sean Atkins. I was talking to uh, a former uh, NFL quarterback, gosh, probably last week, kind of discussing some things and, you know, kind of brought up uh, Sean Atkins kind of getting in the rotation sooner than we had all expected. And he just told me straight up, you know, Jeff Scott, he has those guys. He has those small shifty guys in the slot, Hunter Renfro, Bryce Miller, that are really exceptional at that. Just getting open is such a key component for this offense because last year they just couldn't get open. So rewarding the guys who can continue can consistently get open is why you're seeing guys like Sean Atkins who uh, in that second half with Timmy in there, perfect RPO first down slant, right? It's getting, getting those reps, making sure Timmy can hit those throws. We saw it in the film room last night where, where Timmy just absolutely uh, just, puts one at the feet at the wide receiver where, you know, if he puts it on the money, he can make a guy miss and he's off to the races. It's just those little things that a freshman, you know, who who's not typically a, a passing quarterback can kind of progress on uh, yeah. to continue to do it. Yeah, I think we agree with you here, Alex. We, we, we'd like to see him cycled in early. Make it a part of the first couple drives. Make it planned. It feels like it's not necessary. North Carolina State, it felt like it wasn't. It definitely wasn't playing because they said we they even put him in ahead of schedule. Um, Florida, it may have been playing just to give each guy a half. The uh, like Travis Marsh at the end is like the mind blow. The the real <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we agree. Uh, let's put him in. Put McLean in early, and it, it maybe he gets the second driver. Maybe he just jumps in in certain situations, maybe. But I, I think that, to me, even if Fortin comes out and throws for 400 yards, you still need to have plays with McLean on the field because he just makes you so tough to defend, and there's things you can do as the season goes on that it will generate easy points. Just because if it, even if you're only running for five games, that sixth game, when he throws it, the guy's going to be wide open. So I think there's I, – I think we agree with you there, Alec. One question Eric's asked a couple times, I think, um, he may have asked it yesterday and we missed it. I just remember seeing this is what do you think? What they, they did, uh, you said did a little bit of four man front against Florida. Um, and what do you think about continuing that having Yates on one end and then having one of the kind of the quicker guys on the backside? I think that is something they've been looking at. They've talked a little bit about that in the past, having like the quick guy to the boundary. So he can kind yeah. of be a rusher and then also drop into coverage if you need him to, can just drop into a flat or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I don't. I don't. Th- I think with um, that'd be helpful, especially with teams that are like FAMU's going to play with a tight end. I think so. Having an extra online scrimmage help is helpful, especially if you can kind of just move them around and flex them out on the on the backside. But um, I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what they want to be. But they do have more flexibility. It seems like this year than they did last year in terms of how they line up because they basically they, they lined up in some forefront stuff. And then the second half, it looked like you could have just thrown the tape on and told somebody this was Iowa state's defense. So how, how they lined up and it, and it would, they all lined up exactly the same three safeties, three down linemen with the ends inside the tackles and the, and guys out wide to play um, this, the outside gaps. Um, but I think they're, they're seeing them be a little more flexible. Hopefully these injuries don't limit any flexibility. They're, they're in the back end, but sometimes you have to limit coverage. It limits what you can do up front a little bit too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
it, we we kind of talked about it. It seemed like Will Jones was going to be a starter, and then Matt Hill kind of gets plugged in there at free safety, and now you know one of your other safeties goes down. So, is it Brock Nichols who gets a start, or do they do they shift some more things around? It's a going to be interesting to see. You know, if there's a if there's a coverage bust uh, early on, I think we're gonna we're gonna figure out you know what what happens there and to, uh, again you got to still create some pressure they didn't they didn't get to florida often if at all uh last week and that's still going to be uh, a big you know issue uh for this team kind of going forward uh let me make sure I, I had i thought i had the number right yeah so i believe they had they had the same as the same amount. They had three tackles for loss and one sack against Florida. Same as uh, NC State. Uh, those that those are rookie numbers. You gotta you gotta pump those numbers up. You gotta you gotta pump those up. <laughs> uh, they did they did uh, they did cause the quarterback to pull it down a couple times and and then readjust. Um, but yeah, like you said, you wanna you wanna start creating the, that havoc, that aggressiveness. That's really helps you when you look at on both sides of the ball. When you look at third downs. It's really about how long is your the third down distance that you have to convert, and when it's third and long, those don't get converted very often. So if you can cause a couple of negative plays, cause some havoc, those chances of them converting that third down go way down. You get the ball back in good field position, especially if you you know have them you know if it's off a kickoff and they're starting on the twenty five, and that helps the offense score more points. So it's all complimentary football, as Coach Scott would say. Absolutely, that's right. And, you know, uh, Antonio Greer, we went over it on the film room. I mean, he had a tailor-made sack. Uh, it's just the guy he was trying to tackle is uh, made of steel, um, I think, and marble. So uh, it's really tough as a human to tackle marble and steel. Uh, but a lesser quarterback goes down with a, a big old thud. So, you know, you're not going uh, – We harped on it last night and we'll harp on it uh, on this here podcast uh, proudly presented by Irish 31. You're not going up against these caliber of teams the rest of the year. Cincinnati's pretty good, but now they've got the Luke Fickle thing hanging over their head for the rest of the year. Uh, It's insane uh, because there's no way you're getting that man out of the Midwest. Like just – why would he ever go to USC? I think Bill Connolly uh, of ESPN uh, had this kind of tweet uh, today. USC and Texas have nailed their coaching hires once in the last 40 years, each team. Pete Carroll at USC, uh, Mac Brown at, at Texas, and then all of the other guys have just been there. Uh, I think the big shock for everyone around the country was Clay Helton was at USC for seven years. <laughs> our friend, like, our friend uh, Colin Sherwin had a good point when he said, "If Luke Fickle gets USC job, he'd spend half his salary on private school for all his children." How many kids does he have? Oh, he's got a like lot. Seven. Yeah, oh my god. Oh yeah. So yeah, they're they're gonna have to do something. What eight million? I, I saw I saw the line. I didn't know how many kids he had. Uh, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's that eight. A lot. That's yeah. So let's, that's, keep, let's, yeah let's keep let's keep them in, in the same schools here. Where it's a little more manageable, right? Jeez, man, that's tough. I, 
I think Godfrey did an interview with Fickle a couple years back, and I was surprised at how many kids he had. What? Well, also, no. I mean, USC, there's only one USC, and Fickle's a damn good coach and program builder, and I don't know. That, I don't that, think it might be that higher. That doesn't sound like it makes sense, but makes total sense. I think I think it makes sense for USC. I don't know if it makes sense for Fickle. I don't think it's that great of a job right now. Yeah, I agree you, with you there. You have to be you have to come in to be an ace recruiter. I think if you're what would be nice though is if USC was good again, I think it would help increase parity in college football immensely. Because Alabama's going out there and getting Najee Harris, they're getting their quarterback right now. If you would have USC locking down more of these California kids, they wouldn't be going to Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. You'd start you'd start to do um you'd start you'd start to kind of see that. I think Fickle would work wherever he went. I just don't. I don't know if he fits at USC like culturally. I think he's a good coach, but um, I don't. I don't think he's a cultural fit at USC. To to Alex's point here, um, but he's a guy. That's been actually, in, he's a guy that's been in place for a, or for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's yeah. Fickle, he's an Ohio State guy, so maybe he's gonna see. If, maybe he's gonna see if Ryan Day will maybe maybe push a couple little money to Ryan Day see if he'll go to USC. Well, no, no. I think Ryan Day now needs to have a, a bit, see, see what happens the rest of the year here after they got uh, manhandled by Oregon. Not manhandled in the sense of a score, but, I mean, whew, Mario Cristobal's got that team looking like an SEC program. Yeah, they're, they're humming. They are humming right along. I think that was uh, – I think we'll look back five years from now and, and say, wow, that Oregon hire was top-notch, and FIU just fired him for fun. Just yeah, always remember FIU just fired Mario. That was, that was very bizarre. Mario Cristobal for reasons that literally no one can explain. And uh, that program is uh, hasn't quite recovered from that firing. No. Uh, if if I may be so bold, you know, it's weird that the, the Butch Davis era has not worked out uh, like everyone had expected. No, they've had a, a couple. They beat Miami, so. <laughs> I, well, so did Louisiana Tech, technically. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Skip Holtz reference in there. Yeah, but again, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to harp on at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, right? Seven o'clock kick. That's okay. Uh, ESPN Plus um, for FAMU. Take the kids. You know, enjoy yourself. It's a r- relaxing evening. Um, what else are you gonna do on a Saturday night? Uh, in Tampa, there's definitely nothing else going on for sure. Uh, so why not? Why not go spend your money uh, supporting USF? I think that's uh, money spent wisely and uh, have fun. Solos, so yeah. Saturday. Yeah, they're they're pulling out the the SoFlo uh, jerseys. They look they look nice. They're fun. Um, oh, Josh, ESPN Plus isn't bad. I love it. It's it's yeah. so good for the Olympic sports. Uh, it's it's perfect. I mean, yeah, the commentators are right, but that's yeah. Yes, Eric, we do have two. We have two uh, club tickets to give away. We're going to be doing that uh, not tonight. Uh, we're going to do that later this week. Um, I, I want to really come up with a, a a good question for people to answer, and I I haven't found the right one. I've I've tinkered with a couple about 
the score of you know the the score spread of the the three fam u games but i mean it's hasn't been uh just i, I don't have the wording quite yet and uh it, it's gonna be fun uh i i promise it. it's gonna be a good question uh to ties into fam you uh at some point and uh, you know, just think we were we were so close to getting a Chris Oladokun, uh revenge game this week before he oh. decided to go to uh, South Dakota State and uh, absolutely rip it up. He he made the right call. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Beating Colorado State, I think he was named the uh, Conference Player of the Year uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, I believe he threw four, another four touchdowns this week uh, as they beat the brakes off some very low-level school they've got good um, football in the dakotas they really do good for them i mean what else are you gonna nope. do no they come they, they come so. in i know north dakota state comes in and just flashes like because they, they've come down to recruit florida a lot so they, they come in and just flash like the guys comes in and just flashes like rings right the kids like oh it's As, like the the coach from uh the water boy <laughs> but it's like isn't it just like one ring that he just like Flashes. Yeah, that the program guy had, that like, beat was was a uh, Lindenwood, by the way. There it is. Seven traditional. Yeah, power. I I I think Chris got pulled in the second quarter. They don't even have a logo. It's just a shield. Uh, ESPN for sure. <laughs> the yeah. Division two. Anyway, who knows? But uh, that's our show. I think there. That's kind of it. We've covered everything. Please check out the film room. Um, we, we had, uh, I want to thank Trent and Ed Patrick for, for coming on. We won't typically have guests. Maybe we will. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys like having guests this week? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, reach out in the comments or whatever, if you liked having the guests, you know, back to back weeks, or do you want it to be, you know, for, for what we did the last two weeks, I, I tried to make the, the football film room more of the breakdown of the, of the previous game. And then, kind of going, moving forward with the guests, the the next uh, the next podcast, and and then previewing the upcoming game. Uh, so we'll try to line up some more guests. Um, we'll reach out to some folks. Uh, really appreciate Trent and and uh, Patrick for for coming on and and really uh, sharing sharing what they're doing with uh, Vantage Sports. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of uh, just another great opportunity for college athletes to to earn earn some earn some money as they as they work toward uh, their college degree and you know maybe in the pro game you know regardless of the sport so uh, again appreciate it appreciate Seth Vito for jumping on uh, any any last words before we sign off here folks are we going to get score predictions score predictions let's see it's a staple do we have do we have a line yet I I, I did not find a line. They might not pull one out. Yeah, they, if it, if it is, it's what later in the week, right? If they do an FCS uh, FBS one, I usually get an email every Sunday about the lines, and I never got one. Um, this is great radio. I'll look it up. Here. I can't find anything. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I don't I'm see not... it anywhere. Uh, let's see. I can I can tell you what the predicted score is though. What is that predicted score? Twenty three point two to zero. I don't think <laughs> it's gonna hit. I don't think it's gonna hit that exactly though. So I would be both like twenty three to zero, huh? 
I would be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm impressed and also slightly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, Seth, uh, score prediction as we as we get. Let me uh, pull up my handy dandy notebook here because uh, I got I've got the the previous week's scores as well. So we'll uh, we'll reassess in September and see how we how we uh, how we did. Forty one. To uh, 10, 41, or yeah, 41 to 10, 41 to 10. I'm going to assume USF. That's correct, yeah. Got it. Vito, how about yourself? I was going to come in close. They scored uh, zero week one, 20 week uh, two. So I was going to double that up and say 40 and 40 to seven. Let's say 47 USF. Okay. Uh, For me... I think we see a lot more Timmy McLean. I see. I think we see him uh, peppered in, as we mentioned uh, throughout the game, and not just, you know, in the second half or you know if Kate has a bad game or whatever. I think we're going to see them finally start to unlock uh, th- that Pandora's box of uh, the two quarterback system that they. I mean, that they're going to have to have to to have some success this year. Um, I'm going to say 38-17. USF, I think FAMU gets a late touchdown uh, when the starters are out. All right, here's a couple. <laughs> 83. That's that, would, a, that would be a great one. <laughs> for Steve, for 56-7, okay. Okay. It is on good. the Pied that's Piper. That's not, too, that's not too far off from what you were thinking. They didn't think. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mikeon Bonani would make a good guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love. I mean, I don't. I would love to personally hear the Bush Garden story. Yeah, yeah. Seth, do you know that story? I do not. So obviously, he was a walk-on, and he had a job at Bush Gardens. And you know the Skyride. Yeah. Well, he was the Skyride attendant, and it for some reason the door didn't latch. So he he noticed it, and superhero brain, I guess, he jumped onto the sky ride to to close it, and then realized, oh, this is getting too high, and then fell and broke his back, <laughs> and then came back. I think he missed the year or missed most of the year, and then came back the following year and had a fantastic season. I believe he was, I believe he kicked the game winning field goal versus Kansas, if I'm not mistaken. In 2008, and then I think he missed the 2009 year and was back or something like that. I, it's been a long time. I was in high school back then. I, I just remember hearing that story. I'm like, what? Yeah, what 2008, story? he ices number 13 Kansas as time expires. Yeah, so that's cool. that's an impressive story. And if you guys remember, I don't know what part of the sky ride that he did that on, but there was one part where there was a bull. Do you like? Do you remember that there was like a an actual big bull in like one of the things that you you kind of like fly over them as you're leaving one of the the pass through stations. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to know when where like wh- was the bull there? Was it just one of the pass throughs? I would love to. You, yeah, I'm gonna reach out to Macon because that that's a fantastic story, uh, Alex. We're gonna we're gonna try to work on that because that would be great. I'm hyped now. I, he. I, I have no idea how to get in contact with him. A lot of questions. 
<laughs> Lots been, of questions. You've been thinking about this for a while. I really have. <laughs> because, I mean, formative years, you know, I mean, we, we went through the Delbert years, and then you finally get Macon Bonani, and you're like, oh, my God, we have a kicker again? Because there was a good, solid run of just great kickers at USF, and then then Delbert happened. Uh, great punter, great color commentator for soccer. Uh, but kicking was a bit of an issue. And then Macon comes back, and I believe Delbert kicked in 2009 or when uh, Macon was uh, hurt. So, yeah, I would love to get uh, Macon on the on Alex. What great shout! I, I just watched say. the kick, and it's a um, 43 yarder, and you can see the USF symbol over the white buck symbol at center. Yep, this is a top 25 matchup. Yep, also, that'll do it. What's more surprising, that story or the fact that Kansas was number 13 at some point? <laughs> oh, man. They've fallen, and, and they can't get up. <laughs> they need a life alert. Oh, well, man. The fact, the fact was, that Coastal plummeted them and they just were expected to do that? Yeah. was uh, It was Mike Mangino was the coach, right? Yeah, big fella. Uh, yeah, that big that big bitch ain't getting up. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, as a fellow big boy, man, he he fell and uh and was not getting back up. I've heard that I've was, heard uh, some really I've heard some really gross stories about him. Oh, I'm sure. I that was share. the goat Todd Reesing at quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, this went off the rails real quick, as it usually <laughs> does. Uh, but again, for uh, Nathan, Seth, Vito, uh, our guests. Thank you for, for joining us tonight uh, for another edition of the Bluminati podcast presented by Irish 31. Make sure you guys go check them out. Eat lots of food, uh, drink, but drink responsibly. Uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, they, they're going to have a watch party uh, with Danielle and Magic 94.9 uh, for the BYU game, Irish 31 Hyde Park. And uh, here we go. Let's let's end it on a high note. Macon Banani with the game winner. Let's enjoy. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, oh, that was roughing. <laughs> oh, did they actually they called the flag too? <laughs> Beautiful. Oh man. Anyway, go Bulls. Go Perfect. Bulls. Go Bulls.